0: Hey, you're listening to the Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast. This week, season three, episode 13, Arrow on the Doorpost. Rick and the governor meet up for a contentious meeting, important meeting, just a meeting. We'll we'll find out with the help of special guest Randy Dankovich. Listen to the Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast. I'm Simon Howell. I'm joined by Mr. Ricky D. Hola. As well as, of course, our regular co-host Kate kulzik Hey guys. And we're also joined this week by special guest Randy Dinkovich. What's up? How's everybody doing? Are we excited to talk about this episode, you guys? You guys?
1: You guys. Always. We got an iTunes ratings from the UK. Uh, this comes from Ace Peter. I believe that's how you pronounce the name. Again, with the iTunes reviews, everyone always has like these names and I'm not sure how to pronounce them. But uh, basically, four-star review. If you're a fan of The Walking Dead show, this is a great podcast. Listen to each and every episode, etc., etc. I won't read the whole review, but uh, we do appreciate the reviews. And once again, if you do like what you hear, give us a review on iTunes, and it does help spotlight us on iTunes, so thank you very much, sir, I believe it's a sir.
2: And we we also got some very lovely comments at the website, thank you very much uh, to to you guys as well, you know who you are, so it's always great to get feedback.
1: Yes, yeah, like Josh and James and Matt, uh, awesome, and of course, Ken, and yeah, you know, our regulars and some newbies, Uh, it was fun. Uh, Once again, for new listeners, we do spoil the episode, we assume that because you're listening to a Walking Dead podcast, you have seen last night's episode therefore be prepared because we do go into critical analysis of the actual the episode
0: right and uh speaking of which we're about to do that now
2: and the last thing to reference is that we have ricky has read part of the books but he's not going to say anything that could be a spoiler simon and i haven't read the comics at all so anything we say is speculation not actual spoilers unfortunately we do not have the contacts to give us spoilers
0: Right. And we can't look into the future. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. We don't have ESP or anything. Welcome to the show,
1: Randy. Thank you so much for joining us. Randy reviews several TV shows for us over at the website, including my favorite show right now. It's called The Americans. It's amazing. And I wish we were doing a podcast on The Americans.
0: (laughs) But no, but we're not. We're doing today a podcast on this particular episode of The Walking Dead. You know, we, we talk a lot about how the show is criticized for being too talky. And I think we have feeling. I th- I think the the consensus feeling on that notion here here at the Sound On Site Walking Dead podcast is, it's not about how much talking there is. It's about whether that talking is substantive and interesting and entertaining. So, Rick, I I ask you. This is clear. There's no disputing that this is a talk heavy episode. But is it good talk? I
1: I'm in a tough situation right now because see, here's the thing. Because I don't really want to talk about this, but I kind of feel like I just have to sort of like state why i'm afraid to actually review this episode because <laughs> in in the run of the series like we're, we're this is like 31 episodes in so far if not 32 i believe since you know this the series began way back like 2 years ago i've been reviewing the walking dead both on podcast form and on written form on the website and everybody here can swear that i am by far the most positive right you guys say i'm a fanboy and I wrote up one negative review of one episode a few weeks ago, and I, you know, basically received a lot of hate mail. And I'm not talking about constructive criticism. I can deal with criticism. You know, I don't need people to listen to like our show. You know, it's just, like, you put yourself out there, um, you know, to the public, you expect that not everyone's going to like you, right? Not everybody likes Citizen Kane. But I'm actually, like, I I don't know, like, God, am I supposed to be negative on this episode? (sighs) Because, It's hard. I mean, to the point where even a director of one of the Walking Dead episodes emailed me. You know what I mean? And so it's like, look, I just don't even know if I want to review this episode because clearly I'm not the biggest fan. Sorry, I'm not. I I don't think it's a bad episode. I think think for what we get, it's all right. You know, the dialogue's okay. The performances are okay. The actors delivered a dialogue fairly well. There's some nice interactions between uh, Daryl and Martinez, and Herschel, and Milton, but I just feel like the episode was 45 minutes of what we already know, like to try to establish these parallels between Rick and the governor, which we already know, we know what the similarities are between these two men, and despite the fact that at times that conversation between those two was interesting, and they had some really good dialogue to deliver, it was 45 minutes, it was like they just, I felt like they needed to sort of like Direct this episode just to fill in their thirteen block episode contract with AMC. Like you could have taken out this episode and it wouldn't have changed anything because it doesn't really advance the plot forward. So I'm I'm a little, I don't know. I guess I'm conflicted this week, guys. I don't know. You're
0: conflicted because you don't want to be negative, but if you're being honest, you kind of have to be. Basically,
1: yeah, exactly. Because I don't I don't think it's a horrible episode. Like I think it's I think the problem with The Walking Dead for me, me personally is I think that, you know, clearly Greg Nicotero and his special effects team does an amazing job. Clearly The Walking Dead knows how to do action sequences. They know how to do gore. They knew how to do blood. They're amazing. Clearly some of the cast is great. They have fantastic actors. They know, they bring in these great directors who work on shows like Justified and Breaking Bad, some of our favorite shows. These guys know how to direct episodes. I think it all boils down to the writing team. And... I, it's, it's, it's hard, you see, it's, cause I, I don't sit in, in, in the writing rooms. So I don't know, you know, how it works. I don't know, you know, I don't know who decides what, I don't know if it's Kirkman. I know there's been like a change over of showrunners for like, you know, two and a half years now. We are on the third showrunner now and they're basically taking this comic book and they're, they're adapting it to the screen. And I do think that the walking dead is ahead of its time, you know, just as a TV show in general, there's nothing like it out there. But I, I feel like they don't know how to take the material from a comic book and adapt it to a television series. And here's the funny thing. like I don't know, like, maybe, maybe there's a huge difference between Canadians and Americans because all my Canadian friends hate the show everybody everybody i talk to they're all they, they always criticize me for being positive and all my american friends love this show and criticize me when i'm negative and i i don't know what to say anymore like i feel like i'm like in bizarro world sometimes and i'm i don't know well let's let's uh, let's let uh, randy talk cuz he's our guest yeah. well
3: i i think that the episode is a victim of the schedule i mean they have it's a 16 episode season for a show that Proved last year that it doesn't really have a lot of plot to extend beyond ten episodes I would say i'd even say season two could have been eight episodes, and it would have been a lot more effective and From the beginning, I said that a sixteen episode order on a with a reduced budget per episode is not a good idea, and episodes like this prove it because you don't they don't have a budget to really do anything interesting and they don't really have anything to do because they're waiting to get to their end game and probably to you know an episode or two from now it's Like I said in my review on my site, it's just a lot of, you know, Rick and the governor scenes or just a lot of posturing and just drawing obvious conclusions between the two people that we already know. Yeah. Both of their wives died and both of them are leading a town and neither of them like each other. And they're not they're not going to agree on anything. We know this already. This has been like established for the last. What is this? The 13th episode. So 12 episodes now they've been establishing this. And even more so, you know, with that being the central part of the episode and it's so empty, it makes it makes the other stuff around it that's entertaining to watch. You know, I, I really have loved Herschel in the last six or seven. Ever since Herschel's lost his foot, he's become one of my favorite characters. Um, but when the focus is on, you know, all the dramatic tension is supposed to be in that room and it's just the governor talking and smirking, it's not very entertaining
0: there are other problems in the episode too. And a lot of them have to do with this character that we may or may not have discussed before called Andrea um, and America, America's sweetheart. Um, And uh, yeah, specific, just specifically some, some story choices they made for instance, some of which just absolutely boggle my mind as to why they would do it. For, For instance, the revelation that she told the governor about, how rick's kid might not be his kid why why would you do that
2: well especially because she didn't know about judith until two weeks ago and then she went back and and only slept with him with the intention of killing him and so therefore she had to have told him about judith after she decided not to kill him why would she do that? She was already turning against him. It doesn't make sense. She, she
0: was going to kill him, but instead she told him everything. <laughs> What's sad about that
1: revelation is because I wrote that in my review, too. It's that, wow, you know, thanks a lot for making Andrea the bitch again, because why would she do that? But the thing is, she finds out about Judith after she visits the prison, which is the exact same episode in which she debates whether or not she should stab him stab him basically while he's sleeping so she's conflicted she doesn't trust the governor but yet she decides to confide in him that you know like like why like why it didn't make sense at that point in time like before it would have made sense because Mm -hmm. she actually like trusted the governor she had some sort of like relationship with the governor but at that point in time she was already conflicted like she was thinking about killing the governor so why would she tell the governor, this about Rick, and it's it sucks because you know everybody, everybody, everybody I know hates Andrea this season, and this is just another reason to hate her. I, I mean, actually this... don't
2: hate her in this episode. I don't want to interrupt your thought, continue your thought, but after that, I have some, I have some thoughts why I don't hate her in this week.
1: And the thing that's horrible about what they did in this, because like it was one one line that just made Andrea so much worse, and I don't know what the writers can do at this point in time to save her character for people to actually want her to stick around. Because at this point, I think she's over. I think you have more hope in Merle than Andrea. I think they're just gonna have to get rid of Andrea at this point. Because everyone I know, across the internet, all my friends, people I talk to, colleagues, they are fed up. They just want her out of the show.
2: Well, here's why I don't hate Andrea in this episode. I actually think the character is is fine. Uh, two things. First of all, and maybe this is just you know this shouldn't isn't a legit thing, but much like um, <laughs> for me, uh, the Star Wars prequels don't exist, and uh, so and in, in Star Trek Ener- uh, Enterprise doesn't exist. Uh, that line about uh, Andrea telling the governor about Shane and Judith, I've just I've decided it doesn't exist because it not only does it not make sense for the character. Two weeks ago, it doesn't make sense for the character here. It feels very much like a contrivance designed just so that we could have that in, a, that similar secondary parallel drawn. One, you know, just just another parallel drawn beto- between the two characters. It's lazy writing. It's not. Uh, it, it's not truthful to any of those people really at all. Um, so I, that doesn't feel. It's so against what makes any sense for the character and what we've seen everywhere else that I'm just gonna delete it from my memory because otherwise there's too much cognitive dissonance. Um, And the reason that I actually like her in this is that I am going, taking the leap of faith. I 100% think the reason she goes back with them to Woodbury is to function as a mole. I think everything we see from her after after she gets back in the car when she's in woodbury at the end her smiles a little too big she's a little she's trying to look nonchalant a little too much so i'm pretty sure she's there specifically to try to get i think we're going to see her try to turn milton and some of these to do what she can to help the prison gang rick's gang but while she's at woodbury
0: okay wait a second so you're telling me basically you have stockholm syndrome because you the first thing that you like about her in this episode is that you turned is that you pretended that it didn't happen and then the other thing is something that is just sort of implied for future episodes which which is which isn't going to work because as we all know when we expect anything from from the character of andrea she lets us down there's no way she's not going to cock this up
2: no but we see apparently what it finally took was for for her to realize and it it took very little um you know very little sent you know dialogue for her to figure this out that basically the governor either raped or threatened to maggie and she gets that, she picks it up through two lines of dialogue and that's all it takes and we see her i think what we see from her in that moment is why I have that reading of the end. If we didn't have that scene, then I wouldn't have the same reading of the end. But because we do have that short in- exchange between Andrea and Herschel, that's, so I don't think I'm just pulling that out of my ass. I think that's actually a legit reading. Actually,
1: I think, I think Kate, I think you're reaching. I think you're desperate to find reasons to like Andrea to the point where you're just willing to, to forget that something actually happened. And that's a huge problem. But uh, Randy, uh, <laughs> where do you stand with the whole Andrea debate? Because, I mean, it's been a huge debate across the internet, uh, all season.
3: Well, I, I don't think Andrea's been a great character through the show, but I think in this season in particular, um, her just the way her act- her actions have spoken to a lot of the bigger problems of the season. I mean, as when you talk about the governor as a character, I don't really think the show ever did a good job to nail him down as somebody that... somebody outside of his complete you know being a psychopath. I mean, from the second we saw him on screen, just how calm he was how reasonable it seemed to be. It all felt, you know, fake. And Andrea buying into all that for as long as she has, has made her even more of a difficult character to watch. But it's not necessarily – It's the it's, it comes down to the writing of the two characters. Because if, if we're supposed to believe that Andrea wants to go – two weeks ago, she doesn't want to kill the governor. You know, she really does want to go back to Woodbury. We have to believe that there's a reason compelling her – that the governor is a good person, but we haven't seen any evidence showing us that the governor is a good person, and neither has Andrea had that. So for us to b- buy into her intentions and buy into what she believes in, it's just—it's a joke, kind of. And, and you know, Andrea bursting into the room and oh, I arrange this meeting and we're going to talk this out and things are going to work—it's just like it—it it, it makes you want to slap yourself on the forehead or go on screen and slap her. It's like when are you going to wake up and notice the reality? You are. Stuck in the middle here. You put yourself in the middle here, and you're not going to get out of the middle here. And I, I think, I think you guys are right that there's they've kind of run out of places to go with her character. And I don't really, I don't see how they're going to be able to keep her around for another season. I just don't. I, especially after the way she ended season two, separating from the group and being away from them for so long. You know, even when she came. You know, she never came back from that. And, you know, once you leave that group, you're an outsider. You're, I mean, I just don't see how they're going to be able to reintegrate her into anything. How can anybody trust her when she's had two chances to leave the governor and she keeps going back to him?
0: Yeah, there's a line when Herschel says, you're family, you belong here. And I just thought to myself, Herschel, why do you care?
1: The thing is, Randy's right, because he said something that I don't think anyone has any one of us has said since we started a podcast is that they stretched the season to 16 episodes. And you're right. It should be 10 episodes because they're they're just prolonging everything and i think that's why a lot of people are frustrated but can we talk about something they did right uh one thing i like about this episode is and and not just this episode but specifically the the last three episodes it's because they're trying to improve on the character drama and you know last week I mentioned that one of the reasons why they're, they the, they want to change direction and focus as opposed to what Glenn Mazzara wanted to do. And of course, this is what I read. So I don't know if it's true, but this is what I read online based on interviews and based on the panel at Pallyfest last week. But they said they want season four to be really focused on the characters. They want a lot of character development, less score, less action. And they need it. At this point, they need it. And in this episode, you know we have great character beats between... Uh, Daryl, Cesar Martinez, (laughs) Herschel, and Milton. And I'm sorry, but by far the highlight of the episode was watching Daryl and Martinez work as a team to take out the walkers. And you see Daryl with his archer skills, and he's got the new crossbow that Michonne got for him in last week's episode. And then you even see how accurate he is at throwing a knife. And then, of course, you get, like, Cesar and his baseball bat action – and there's this brief moment where, you know they share a cigarette, and we get, to look, we get to know a little bit about Martinez. It's the first time we get to know something about this character. And then going back to Herschel Milton, I loved the interaction between those two guys, and I loved how Milton was explaining that he was documenting every event for historical records, because people will one day want to know what happened. That is fantastic. Uh, I love that.
2: Oh my god, that 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 Daryl Martinez scene was incredibly trite. It was terrible.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I like the Herschel and Milton one because they're kind of de- they're pretty developed character. I mean, Milton is probably the only other character at Woodbury that's been developed at all as a person. Martinez, it just feels like too little, too late. It feels like they're trying to humanize a person before they kill him. I feel like Daryl's going to kill him in a couple episodes now. That's the only thing I got from this second that scene started. And, you know, Daryl's making his wise ass comments and Martinez is swinging his bat around. I'm like, either one of these two is going to kill each other now or they're going to have a they're going to share a moment and have to kill each other later on. I feel like these two are going to come face to face later on the season. And that scene was all set up for it. Of course, Martinez's whole family died. Of course, his whole family. Everybody's family died.
2: Oh, my God. It's just it's it's just the most trite thing ever. We don't like each other. We don't like each other. Oh, well, grudging respect after a moment of shared conflict. We can, we both smoke because we're both bad guys, badasses, you know, hard dudes. So, of course, we both smoke, and we can can relate to each other now. Just kind of share a moment. That's that's it's ridiculous. They, they, those two people, that one... I'm sorry, they fight walkers all the time. So sharing a brief moment of co- of fighting together would not make them open up to each other. It's ridiculous.
1: But the thing is, I'm not saying it's well-written. I'm just saying I like that scene because I like the characters. I like the fact that least trying to do something with the characters. Randy's right. We know he's going to die now because every, every time they try to inject some kind of humanity into one of these supporting characters that we don't know, example, T-Dog, Oscar, etc., etc., they all they always die. It's like they're set up to die and we're supposed to somehow be affected by that debt. And, but, and that's the thing, like I, I mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago, is um, the thing is, if, if people keep dying every like five minutes on the Walking Dead episode, it no longer has the impact that it once did, right? And so I, I think that's a problem too, because now not only is it like, it doesn't really have an impact, it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's expected that someone's going to die, like whatever. But we also don't care about these characters. Like some of the best episodes, some of the best episodes featured characters who we actually cared for that died and because we were emotionally affected by it. Uh, but I don't know. I just, I'm trying to be positive here. Look, I'm sorry. I'm trying to be positive. And that's the best thing I could come up with. Aside from the dialogue from, you know, some of the dialogue that was given to David Morrissey and Andrew Lincoln, like I really liked the line in which rick grimes basically says you're the town drunk who knocked over my fence and ripped up the yard and nothing more because i've always said that this show and especially the comic book it really draws on the um iconography of like westerns and i found like that whole meeting was very reminiscent to some of my favorite westerns from like the past i just feel like that whole episode could have been 10 minutes long
2: you attacked
1: us
3: nice things pretty clear I was trying to make things clear. I could have killed you all, I didn't. And here we are. I'm gonna remove my weapon. Show that I mean to negotiate in good faith. I'd like you to do the same. May I?
2: Well, if we're gonna talk about the good stuff, why don't we talk about... Glenn and Maggie. Yes. And I thought that was and great. They're,
3: and they're quickie, I guess. Can I just say one thing about the Rick and the Governor's conversation? Two lines after he calls, he basically dismisses the governor as a town drunk. He calls him the devil. Did anybody notice that?
2: Well, the...
3: He uh, goes from yes. calling the town drunk, that's just a nuisance, to calling him, like, the devil incarnate in a matter of two lines. That was the biggest thing that stood out for me from that conversation.
2: The governor says you've fought the devil beside you, referencing Shane, And when we're watching it, we or you could you recognize you could recognize or fought with the devil beside you. And he's talking about Shane. But of course, Rick is thinking of of uh, of the governor. And that's what we're all supposed to see there. But I I thought it was the governor who said that not Rick.
3: Yeah, no, but Rick's response, you know, when he says, yeah, you know, he basically says he recognizes that. Yeah, you're the devil in front of me. I mean, you go a guy goes from being a town drunk. I mean, that's the kind of thing they haven't really. How much of a danger do they? Is the governor? Is he a guy that's just trying to, you know, stake out his own place, or is he a guy that's homicidal? I mean, they've tried to give the the governor character layers, and I just don't think that they've worked well. So when it they try and play on those in a scene like this, I just don't. It doesn't come. It just seems like the governor's posturing. He's smug. He's got the smug look on his face the whole episode, and Rick has just, you know, got his head down, staring at him. That's, you know, the entirety of the conversation. Rick doesn't say anything in a sentence form until the end
1: but I don't, I don't understand the point you're trying to make because like i, I think i understand but i'm not sure because the, the line that he delivers is restitution for your own lack of insight and failing to see the devil inside you Besides what the governor says
2: inside.
1: yeah but that whatever that's what the governor says and then and- yeah and the governor's
3: referencing shane but then when rick makes the response the way it's implied that he's talking about the governor That's the way I read it. I mean, maybe I read it wrong, but the way the line comes across, it implies that he's talking about the governor now. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't know. Just inconsistency. I
0: noticed. This is great. I'm just. I'm just sitting back, and everyone else is doing the bitching. It's refreshing. (laughs) Let's
2: be positive. Glenn and Maggie, that was lovely. I was so happy. I was kept waiting for something terrible to happen, for like a a biter to get in or a walker to get in and like kill one of them because they were actually happy for a moment.
3: I like how they handled it quickly. It didn't have to be a big, dramatic, everybody starts crying and, you know, they kind of shared a moment and they had sex. It was Quick, it got, they got it out of the way. I I enjoyed that they dealt with that now, even though it makes me think that something horrible is going to happen in one of them.
1: I don't know. It just made me realize how boring the prison is because every time they went back to the prison, I just realized they were only going back to the prison to fill in the running time, to make it a 45-minute long episode because nothing happens. I mean, to the point where...
2: I do think that there is going to be more more interesting... I do think that there there is more interesting content to come this season. Um, We've talked somewhat with this episode about there being this being a filler episode in that you know there's some some significant things happen at least in my opinion. I think it's significant we see Beth shoot a gun, you know like you know i, I have we seen her shoot people before? I don't feel like we have no, no.
3: does do we even care about Beth though does anybody we, we've had this conversation
2: i i we, care. I care about Beth, I know <laughs> you guys don't. I was also the person who cared about Carol back in season one, and you guys are just getting on the bandwagon now. But um, but I, I think more than just this being a problem of this season has too many episodes, much like in in Lost in season, I think it's season three and Battlestar in a, at a similar point in their runtime, those were shows that only had a certain number of episodes, that, that needed only a certain number of episodes. They couldn't just continue forever. They had to know when they were going to end because there's only so much story to tell. And I feel like that is really a very similar thing with The Walking Dead. Obviously, horror doesn't has not had a very successful history on television. Um, The the American Horror Story is is uh, and The Walking Dead are big exceptions to this. Um, Of course, American Horror Story is a new story every season, so they don't have that same problem. But on on TV, people don't necessarily want to watch horror. Horror doesn't necessarily work because there's no ending. You can't you know you have a, a scary fight or monster or something like that and then you defeat it and that's the end of the horror story it doesn't work if there isn't a build to a climax and it it doesn't tend to work just continuing forever and i I think that's definitely going to be the case for the walking dead where the part of the reason they're probably looking to be more character based next season is because you can only have them move to a new location something goes wrong they there's a there's a conflict, and then they move to a new location so many times there's only so many episodes that you can get out of The Walking Dead without it becoming incredibly repetitive and I feel like they're not going to do this because it's way too successful, and a m c needs this show, even aside from the number of people who love it and want to watch every single week. But there are only so many episodes in The Walking Dead as a show as a you know as something that's on television, and I think we're starting to see even more. This is episode thirty two This easily could be episode I don't know twenty of an of an overarching story, and that would you know if if they had had more concrete uh, more concrete sense of how long the show is going to go, maybe we wouldn't get this kind of filler
1: but it's not that they don't have the material because there are like the last time I checked the last comic book I picked up was like like issue ninety. Right. You yeah, know, it's but like, there are
2: also it, hun- there's decades of Spider Man comics. It doesn't mean that 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 show works as long on TV.
1: I was just gonna say that the thing is is that what they're trying to do here is they're trying to they're they're trying to stretch the season and keep them at one location because maybe they're just I don't know. It's like the the show is hugely successful, right? So they don't want to speed up the process of the comic book because they don't want to eventually hit a dead end, like hit a wall because they don't have any more material because they've already surpassed a comic book. And that's the problem. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like if you're going to stick the whole entire season, 16 episodes, you know, at the prison and everyone is basically just like frustrated and waiting for the show to move forward. Then I think that's the problem. Like, You know, if they do catch up to the comic book eventually, they could just take a season off or something. I don't know. I mean, they rerun the show every Thursday in Black and White. I'm sure they can find something to do.
2: See, but I disagree. I don't think it has to do with – I think it's something we talked about last week. Storytelling in comics is different than storytelling on television. I don't think you can – that the show works open-endedly. I don't think that there's enough story without it just – becoming too repetitive because there's only so much you know i don't think a character like rick we can follow and have be interesting and layered and constantly be learning something new when he's put in the same kind of pressure over seven years
1: yeah but no you're wrong because the, the source material the story is there it's in the comic books they're 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 like on issue what like
2: yes but just because something works in comics doesn't mean it works in television
1: no, no, it could easily work in television. And for the majority of The Walking Dead, it does work in television. I think there there are problems, clearly, which we've talked about, you know, throughout this whole entire run of the podcast. One of the major problems that we discussed last week was how they don't seem to know how to balance characters properly. And this week we're talking about how they're trying to stretch this into a 16 episode season.
2: I don't think the problem is that they're still at the, the prison, I guess is what I'm saying. I think it has more to do with characters, but... I think this is an agree to disagree and hopefully the show when the show is still on, I agree with you several years down the road and that it's still an interesting show.
1: We we're all in agreement that it's the character development, it's the way to writing the characters. We've all agreed on that all season. What I'm saying though, it's that they are also in terms of like the plot, the overall plot of the season is basically the governor versus Rick. Those people versus this these people, right? The land that's condemned. And that, they're stretching. They're stretching that. And that, and, and the way they're stretching it, it's they could do it, I guess, if they worked on those characters, like last week's episode.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, and does it, does it blow anyone's mind that there's still three episodes left?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, because you know why? Because eventually they're going to have to return to, say, the characters they totally forgot about, like Tyrese, you know, for example. Um, I, I mean... I th- I don't think the execution of this episode was poor. I thought they did the best they could given what they were like, given the script they were given to do. I just don't agree that that was a good script because you could have easily wrapped that up into five minutes. They could have had a quick five minute meeting and put that in the next episode. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in the next episode, but you know, like forty five minutes was a long time, a lot of time spent on a conversation between two men when we don't learn anything new about anybody. Agreed. It's
2: it's not a good sign when you're watching a what should be a very intense conversation between two people. And rather than thinking about... And I do think, actually, some of the performance did sell the dialogue as much as some of it didn't make sense for characters to be saying. If taken out of context, just these two people sitting in a room, I actually think the performances were, were pretty good with what they were given to work with. But when you when the... The problems of the rest of the show are put into are put into that, and I'm watching it, and what I'm thinking about is, huh, how come when wherever we're on the Governor, there's no light, and then they keep panning up to a win an opening above them, so the lighting doesn't make any sense, or how the governor's eye patch doesn't make any sense, <laughs> like just where the string like if when I'm thinking about that stuff, clearly there's a larger problem.
1: Well, what you're saying is you're thinking about little things that you nitpick about because you're not really invested in the I'm show. Because I'm not
2: engaged by – and mostly, like I said, because the performances did start to draw me in. But then they would – something they would be saying wouldn't make sense. And I would get, again, drawn out. And then I'd start thinking about lighting.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It looked very
2: pretty, though. It looked really gr- – the great cinematography It just didn't make sense.
1: So, so Randy, you've read the, the graphic novel or the comic book series, right?
3: Yeah, I've read about – the first 80 issues or so and then i've read random issues since
1: okay so i'm assuming you're a fan so i mean overall like i mean are we wrong to say that this show needs improvement
3: no it needs improvements i think the biggest i think following the comic book will prove to be a problem long term for the show because of the tone of the comic book the tone of the comic book it it wears on you and the characters kind of wear on you as issue after issue it's kind of they take a bit of a repetitive tone of the stories that they do and then they don't really find a lot of new interesting beats for the characters so it just kind of it just gets more depressed i think the only thing that changes is it just gets more depressing as it goes along and on the show I, i think it it translates because the most interesting times on the walking dead like last week are when they're digging into the psychological like okay um you know last week with um Morgan, you know, just seeing him, his mental state and Rick's reaction to that and how it made Rick, you know, look at himself was really, really interesting. That's really interesting stuff. And they could have done some of this cerebral thing with Rick and the governor if there was more back and forth between them. But since it's such a one sided conversation and all we're hearing is the words of somebody we've already deemed to be evil and crazy, like there's never been an attempt to really. Make the governor a human that we can invest in at all. We—it's just a roadblock for Rick. He's—he might kill some. He might kill more people than your average person would. That's really the big threat to the governor. Um, yeah, and I think that affects the show when you're not that because the, there's going to be constants on The Walking Dead. There's going to be zombies. We're always going to have zombies to deal with, and we're always going to have somebody that's out there that's crazy to deal with. So that stuff is a given. So that stuff's not inherently. This stuff's not that interesting. So what is interesting is how. All of this is affecting the characters, and I think that's where the show has run into a problem is kind of digging into the psyches of these people and and finding interesting material to bring out of it. Like, it, they've made Glenn tougher over the three seasons of the show, but that's kind of just been shown in, you know, physical acts that he's done standing up to Merle or, you know, taking a more of a leadership role, but they haven't really characterized that with him in a psychological way. Like, we haven't seen him you know, deal with the effects of him becoming stronger and more, I don't know, less sensitive to the world around him. He's still Glenn, you know, that he's just Glenn. But I think that's the kind of the problem when you have a large cast of characters and you want to focus on whatever physical is going on around them all the time you lose that edge. Uh,
0: basically, yes. I mean, I, I, I agree with most of what everyone's been saying, and I, I specifically agree with Kate that, you know, when it comes to running a TV series... When you, I think you, you were, you you mentioned this, Kate, but you kind of skirted around it. Those shows, Lost and Battlestar, they gained an, a new purpose when they came up with an end date, and when when they decided, okay, we're going to go for this long. And that's when they started to formulate, okay, this is the end game, this is where we're headed, and this is how long it's going to take us. And if they don't have that with with The Walking Dead, and maybe that's why they can't seem to keep showrunners around because maybe they start to formulate thoughts like this. I don't know. Um, when you don't have that, you lose a sense of narrative urgency. And when you don't have urgency, that's a real problem for especially a horror series. You stash these at the loading dock, all right? i put more up on the catwalk.
1: If anyone gets pinned down, we need to make sure that they have plenty of ammo. I'll
0: go work on the cage outside.
3: What we should be doing is loading some of this firepower in a truck and paying a visit to the governor.
2: We know where he is right now.
0: You suggesting that we just go in and kill him?
2: Yeah, I am. We told Rick and Daryl that we'd stay put. I've
0: changed my mind, sweetheart. Being on the sideline with my brother out there. Ain't sitting right with me.
2: Well, I think one of the things that, makes, that can make it frustrating is, is something that you already said, Ricky, is that a lot of the really big strengths of this series are constants. So we, we already talked a couple weeks ago about how great the, the visual effects and special effects. I don't know what combination of makeup and CGI that is, uh, but the, how great the work on the governor's eye is, how that looks amazing. Um, I said earlier, the cinematography looks really great. It's very well shot. They use the locations. Well, there's a lot of stuff that is done very well, on the walking dead week to week it's very well produced so but be, but because those are constants and usually there it's not something that stands out in particular it's not something that's new it's easy to take that for granted it's easy to take for granted Bear McCurry's scoring it's easy to take for granted some of these other more production kind of elements um i like for example this week i was noticing i thought it was really interesting andrea's hair was very uh neatly curled and coiffed So clearly she was spending time on that at Woodbury, where they have power. And little details like that normally we don't talk about on the podcast. And maybe we need to focus more on those elements as well. When we're getting frustrated with the stories storytelling or the character or the writing, maybe that's something we should focus on a bit more.
1: No, I I I mean first of all, we do mention the cinematography and the score and the direction of special effects on a weekly basis. We do. Okay? but the thing is i can't help but you know i can't change what they've scripted in the series and last week's episode was amazing the week the, week's, the episode before that was amazing didn't like the episode before that one wasn't a fan of last night's episode it's a roller coaster ride for me and that's it i can't you know, we could talk about, like, Andrea's hair if you want for 45 <laughs> minutes. Sure. I mean, I'm sure that'll be an amazing podcast. Let's talk about her hair because they don't know what to do with the story. Like, they don't know what to do with her character. So we're going to talk about her hair. Come what, on. All
2: I'm saying is, is it's easy to focus on what they're doing wrong. I think little details like that are – that's somebody's job. And that's somebody who's doing their job well, who's thinking about character and thinking about specifics as to – what Andrea is going to look like in this scene and why. So maybe they're not the most noticeable jobs, but when when you're we're feeling overly negative, I do think it's important to remember that there are usually at least a hundred people who are employed to make a TV show happen. And maybe there are big faults in some of the writings and, and some of the performances, but there are lots of other people who are doing a really good job. So I'm just I wanted to you know mention that as well. Well, we get frustrated when we only hear negative feedback, so I just wanted to do some positive feedback as well.
0: Anyway, so now that we get to face our existential crisis as a podcast once again, uh, is there anything else we want to bring up before we wrap things up?
3: I Do you think the episode would have been more interesting if they would have considered the idea of sacrificing McCone more? I think they kind of they they brushed over that, and I think that would have been really interesting if they spent a lot more time... Debating that, because, you know, it's not like McCone's, yeah, she saved a few people, but she's not, she happens. hasn't become an integral, exactly, she's not become an integral part of the group enough where I just buy Rick's decision to say, no, that's a ridiculous idea, I can't give up a human being. I wish they would have really dug into that more.
2: But the end of the episode says that they're going to. That's what the, that's how it, they leave things. This group needs to be scared so that they agree to give up Michonne. That's how,
3: no, but that's not what they agreed to do. That's what not, he that's not what Rick's trying to do. He's trying to get them afraid so they're ready to fight. He's not doing it, they can give up McCone, even if he he thought, even if he's he even says that if he gave them McCone, he knows that the governor would just kill him afterwards.
2: Yeah, but no, but that's not how he leaves it. But then he says, But what if he's telling the truth? And would you sacrifice your daughters for Michonne? I'm hoping you will convince me to change my mind, as in to not sacrifice Michonne. And that was incredibly frustrating because it was an idiotic move from Rick.
3: Yeah, I read it the other way. I think he wanted to do it to convince him to give up Michonne, not to go to war. Because I think he realized, I think the one thing Rick realized that if he goes to war, a bunch of people are going to die.
1: No, Randy's right. Randy's right. Rick Rick knows deep down inside that the governor is going to back stab him in the back. And he's going to shoot everybody, not just not just take Michelle, but he's going to kill everybody. He knows this, and he's hoping that Herschel can talk him out of knowing what he already knows. But, you know, I ended my review uh, by saying that this episode would have been interesting if Rick had just shot the governor within the first five minutes of the episode and we moved on that would have been interesting. Yeah. Cause then we would have Milton, you know, and Herschel having their buddy, buddy time. We would have, uh, you know, Martinez and, and Daryl kicking ass. <laughs> um, we wouldn't be back and forth from the prison to Woodbury to the prison to Woodbury. We would return back to Tyrese and his family and friends. It would be amazing. They could have, he, I mean, Rick shot his best friend, Shane, because he was a threat to the whole entire community. Like, it would have just been amazing if he just shot him. First of all, it would have been unexpected and anything that's unexpected is good, but everybody knew the episode was going to end and nobody was going to shoot anybody in that meeting. Right? So if they, if he had just shot him, it would have been amazing. Oh my God. I just everybody realized like,
0: what would fix the walking dead forever. Raylan Givens.
2: <laughs> oh my God.
0: Because he would shoot everybody.
2: <laughs> but you are so go right. Back to The ending though. Cause I have, a hundred percent the opposite read of that than you guys do why does he want herschel to convince him to give up michonne that doesn't make any sense to to me
3: because he doesn't want to take everybody to war because he knows he has people that aren't prepared he knows he's outnumbered
2: but if he doesn't want to take people to war they should they should just leave
3: yeah but they're not going to do that because they've set up that's not how the season is set up they have to go to war now because that's how it's written
2: (laughs) but that's not a character reason that's not you know I know this is a TV show. <laughs> yeah, no, I know this is Kate, a TV Kate, show. That doesn't make Kate. sense to be Rick's motivation for
0: that's the problem for, for
2: not yeah, leaving.
1: Oh my God, Kate! But that's the problem. Yeah. Randy, Randy is so
3: that's what yeah. I'm saying. That is the problem. They don't. They don't make it. They don't give. Rick a compelling decision to make. The decision's already made for him. The decision's been made since the first episode. They painted it. everything from the first episode to set up this conflict between the two. The parallels, all the events that happened, everything is driving towards this moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I'm in total agreement. Me too. Kate, I I, I, find, I, I actually admire how you are so desperately trying to love this, sh- oh, this episode. no, I'm not. To-
2: I hated that <laughs> moment. It doesn't make any sense for Rick. It turns him into a complete drooling idiot, but I... Uh, pff- We'll see about next w- what they say next week, but uh, I'll and I'll rewatch the scene. But that is, I have a hundred percent different reading than you guys do. Now I'm going to need to immediately, as soon as we're done, go on the internet, and read other reviews, and see if I'm the only one who read that scene that way. This
0: episode just became so much more interesting than it actually is.
1: <laughs> I mean, I know, like I'm not making fun of you. Like I just, I wish I had that interpretation because then I would have been more positive when the show ended. And I just think it's amazing that. Like, you, A, you read it that way. I feel like, I honestly feel like you're trying to find reasons to like this episode more than you should. And again, you know, it's not the execution. There's nothing wrong with the execution. It's all in the script. And that's the thing. There's You can't change that. Because when you're given that script, that's what you have to do. Like, the writers, the director, the DOP. And so I, you know, there's nothing I can say to... You know, to to change my like, I, I don't know. I just I don't even know what to say anymore. Let's talk about Andrea's hair.
0: Anyway, we we um,
1: have...
2: let's talk about black and white. You wanted to talk about that, Rick?
1: Yeah. So I want to talk about this article that Matthew wrote up on our website, which was fantastic. And it was called what was it called, Simon?
0: When the absence of color enhances the experience.
1: That's what I said. <laughs> right? But it's basically they're rerunning The Walking Dead episodes every Thursday night in black and white because the actual comic book is in black and white. And, um, you know, that's one of the reasons I got really excited when they mentioned that they were going to, you know, turn this comic book into a TV series and Frank Darabont was going to be in charge because I'm a huge fan of, like, The Mist. And Frank Darabont actually shot The Mist in black and white. And I was actually deep down inside hoping that they would release the show in black and white even – yeah, even though I knew they wouldn't have the balls to do it. But now that the show is so uber popular, they decided to rerun the episodes in black and white, which I find interesting because it's not a gamble that they would have taken like, you know, two and a half years ago. But um, have you guys viewed any of the episodes in black and white? Because I'm just wondering if you agree with this article that it actually enhances the viewing experience I, of the watch. I again. haven't.
0: Uh, as a quick correction, The Mist was originally in color. If you get the two disc version, it comes with a bonus disc where you can watch it in black and white.
1: Yeah, but he wanted. Yeah, to that, that was always and his
0: intention. And I, I find it interesting that um, that AMC is promoting this so heavily when it seems obvious to me that it was Frank Darabont's idea. But anyway, um, given the connection to the Mist, I haven't seen The Walking Dead in black and white, but I I would like to, and I, I think that it's uh, for all the reasons outlined in the article and probably more. I think it's a good idea. I think that's what they originally should have done. Yeah, I think that's how the
3: show should have been done as well. I think it would have captured. The tone of the world that they live in, and just it would get it would make it feel more like a horror show, which people call it a horror show, but it doesn't ever really feel like a horror show.
1: Well, it feels like a Western,
3: I- yeah. Loosely, I'd say AMC already had their Breaking bad's they're their Western. I think that does a better job of being a Western, but that's anyway, I I do think that there is some of that tone to it. I do think that if it wasn't black and white, it would enhance that feeling a lot more. I do, especially when they are on the farm, the landscapes, a lot of the landscape shots, that kind of thing would look really great.
1: Well, it feels like a Western. I think.
2: Actually, I, I guess I disagree. Um, Well, I, first of all, I agree that it's very, this very much feels like a Western to me from, or at least that they are, using the 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 like you said earlier ricky the the iconography of the western from the 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 kinds of guns that they tend to use and and the the kinds of clothing and hats and and all of that it does feel very western to me um but i actually think on the farm is a perfect time for when color wouldn't be as good because i think when or, or sorry black and white wouldn't be as effective as as the color was because you wouldn't get that that look out from the porch of just green all around them, how they, and that, that helped them feel safe. That helped them feel, you have this moment of respite that of course comes tumbling down, but you, you wouldn't get that, that, uh that contrast. I mean, obviously the show is already somewhat desaturated in color. It's, it's, it feels very gray and Brown. A lot of the time, there's never a blue sky anywhere. Um But even just scenes like the, like the, um, like the the burning of the farm and, and the explosion of the CDC, and there are a lot of sequences I think actually wouldn't work anywhere near as well. But what I do think, if it was all, always in black and white, it would really lend it to is more of that um, heightened comic book feel that they might want to go for, kind of like something like Sin City, where it would it would I think it would allow um, more stylized performance and bigger um, both performances and dialogue and all of that because it would have that extra remove of the black and white.
1: I agree to the majority of what you say. I think, hands down, the black and white would totally enhance the gore effect because um, I remember when we did our George Romero episode back, like way back, Sword of Cinema episode one, even had an interview with George Romero. Awesome show. We talked about Night of the Living Dead and how out of the original trilogy, it was still the one movie that really grossed me out to this day. And it's because of the black and white. There's just something about seeing the gore And the the tearing of the flesh and the eating of the brains and the blood in black and white, it just unsettles me. But I I do think you're right, Kate, and especially a prime example was when you brought up the farm being lit up on fire and just the flames in the background, uh, which, again, reminded me of another Western, Johnny Guitar, one of my favorite, like, you know, just those images remind me of the opening of Johnny Guitar when her saloon gets lit up on fire. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting article. Um, you know, it's all subjective. Like, I mean, some people like this, some people won't like this, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I, I, think at least they're given the option now. Like, they are airing these episodes every Thursday night. I don't know if they're going to continue. I know they, they've done season one. But if I had to buy the DVD of The Walking Dead, I would buy. The DVD that at least gave me the option of black and white or the one in black and white, because since I've already seen the show in color, I would want a different perspective. And it's nice to have the two side by side to compare them. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: All right. Any, anything else we want to say before we wrap things up? We're, we're, we've gone strangely long.
2: <laughs> um, I uh, do. I just want to mention that I did, like, we. anybody who's listened last week knows I did really like the episode last week. I thought it was great, and uh, that's not a word I actually throw around very frequently with The Walking Dead. And so I was very hap- pleasantly surprised last week. And this one, I it sounds like I wasn't quite as negative as some of you guys were. Um, I feel like maybe I'm kind of in the middle or at least between, somewhere between the general fan reaction and and where we tend to be. Um, so I'm just – I'm hoping that we can get – I'm expecting more good to come, good things to come. So I, I guess I'm actually kind of, for some crazy reason, I'm a little optimistic about the, the next stretch of episodes.
1: I'm – um I think last week's episode was amazing. I think if I had to name off, you know, some of my, my 10 favorite episodes of any TV show this year, that would be on my top 10. I loved it. I thought the episode before that was great. Randy, you want to close it off and tell our listeners where they can find your work
3: online? Um, yeah, I write about television at a few places. I have my site, Process Media, which you can just Google. Or you can go to processmedia.wordpress.com. Um, I write, of course, I write on sound on site. I cover the Americans and Cougartown over there and Arrow on Wednesdays. And um, I also write, at, if you go to Google Geeks Unleashed, I write about TV there. I write about. Um, Movies across the web, and you can follow if you follow me on Twitter at Process Media. You can figure out everything I'm writing. I don't really sleep much, so I'm always up watching TV, writing about it, complaining about it.
0: <laughs> All right, <laughs> uh, thanks everyone for listening. We, uh, I'd like to say we, we we will try to be more positive, but you know we we can only be ourselves. We can only be honest, and we can. And and yes, The Walking Dead, Kirkman and Company give us reasons to be positive. Live up to our to our dearest hopes and people...
1: hey we were really positive we were week. and like with Kobe. good reason yeah.
0: uh, anyway we're going to wrap it up we'll be back next week you attacked
3: us nice things pretty clear I was trying to make things clear I could have killed you all I didn't and here we are I'm going to remove my weapon Show that I mean to negotiate
2: in good faith. I'd like you to do the same.
3: May I?